Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody, and welcome into the Denver Sports Podcast, also the DNVR Nuggets Podcast. Excited to have you here. We have a nice little roundtable panel for you today as we break down games one and look ahead to game two of the Denver Nuggets Minnesota Timberwolves series. I've got my main, my left-hand man over here, Harrison Wynn. <laughs> How'd you pick me to be on this show instead of uh, Vote and D-Line? I'm not going to get those guys on here. Come on, man. Are you <laughs> kidding me? This is like, you know... Um, when you have like you're trying to make an impression, you know, you're like there's certain friends you invite around and certain friends wow. you're like I don't I want. I hope they don't, I don't want the relatives. To this. To, they're not. Don't worry about it. Um, but that's you, of course. All right, I'll then, take it. And then over here, actually, the other reason is because somebody said we look alike. Did you see that comment come through? I did see that. Somebody said Dane is the Minnesota Harrison <laughs> and John looks like the Minnesota Adam. <laughs> and I got to be honest, I kind of see it. I yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little well, bit, well, I guess. A little, bunch of good-looking guys up here. That's yeah. right. Good-looking guys. Over here, you guys know him. He's been on the show multiple times from the Dane Moore Basketball Podcast. It's Dane Moore. What's up, man? Thank you for having me. I got to come back and face the music. I, I think last <laughs> time I was here, I said the Wolves, or the Nuggets were a good matchup for the Wolves. It's so, so funny. You <laughs> definitely said you that. You said that. Yeah. And then also, it's funny because... Harrison <laughs> tweeted it like six times afterwards <laughs> I did that not. I said that. Yes, he did. Have you noticed Harrison is a sneaky, like... He starts Asshole, fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> On Twitter, he'll start a little fight. Just like, well, Dane said they were a good matchup. I don't know. I'm just reporting facts. <laughs> I'm just promoting the show. Uh, and then, of course, from The Athletic, we have John Krasinski. Hey, what's up, guys? Good to be here. Thanks for coming on. So yeah. the Nuggets take a commanding 1-0 lead with a 30-point, a 29-point blowout win in game one. And, you know, we've given our sort of perspectives on these. Um, first of all, were you surprised? Part of me looks at this and goes, Denver was on a week rest and they were playing, you know, they didn't have any real games for the last like five weeks. And Minnesota was coming off of a pretty strenuous week lead in the lead up to it. So, Dane, I'll start with you. Were you surprised by how the game went in game one? I, I thought it every game in this series kind of has the chance that Denver is just going to get on one of those blitz you for a quarter type of situations. I mean, the Wolves biggest issue with the the Townsend Bear pairing is transition defense and we saw that through the regular season that 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 can explode at at a time so the only way I thought that it was going to be competitive is if they were going to be mm. able to really avoid that which I mean in the first half they did the first half wasn't certainly wasn't as bad as, right. as the game uh overall obviously fatigue somewhat of a factor there I have kind of little compassion for that because it's the playoffs but acknowledge it i mean rudy's dinged up and hard to say um he, he was fatigued in the play-in games he's teams also coming off an illness and he had an ankle injury and stuff like that but it's a playoff so i'm 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 not gonna play that excuse card 
too much, I don't think. I think it's fair, but at, at the same time, acknowledging that it's sort of like is a thing. Yeah. And um, what about you, John? Were you surprised? I guess the only thing, uh, what I underestimated, and certainly talking to the guys after the game, was I do think that they were emotionally taxed yeah. going into that game. Right. You, you had the, the Rudy, plane's emotional. Yeah. You, you had the Rudy Kyle thing the, a week True. that they a week prior that they <laughs> had right. to kind yeah. of survive. Then you had tough Laker game, overtime game. You had the emotional win against Oklahoma City just to save your season. And so I do think that factored into it. I think they were a little out of gas. Now what I will say about that is – they have no one to blame but themselves for that. Right, they put well. themselves in that position by being underachieving during the regular season and being stuck in a position where you needed to win high leverage games down the stretch and you had all of this pressure on you. And so they kind of were put in that position themselves. But I do think, as you said, Adam, I, I think it was a factor in, especially in the second half, just kind of getting run out of the building and and not playing well at all. I th I think this can be a competitive series, um, but certainly was nothing competitive about game one. I feel like the play-in is so emotionally and physical, physically draining. Is it game seven? It's, yeah. yeah. Winner, winner, go yeah. home. Yeah. You know, the NBA doesn't have any type of series like that, obviously. It's oh, just you just one wait game. until the mid-season tournament. <laughs> <laughs> just 82 games, and then it just comes down to one or two games. Like, that is so intense. Um, I, I'm with you guys with that. Well, well, we would have said the same thing if the Wolves would have won. We would have been like, that's why they won, because yeah. they were yeah. so locked in, yeah. and, like, and the Nuggets were doing... They were chilling for a week. The Nuggets didn't that. know like, who they were going to play. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, This is the thing about narrative, is they often are ascribed to an outcome... And they're like no less true, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they're almost just like, well, they lost because, mm -hmm. to your point, it could have been any number of things. Um, I will say this. Do you? I'll start with you on this one, John. Would you say that the Wolves played poorly in Game One, or the Nuggets played well? How would you? Which one do you think is more true? You know, the the funny thing is, is like especially through the first half, you looked at the way Jokic was playing, and he controlled the game, no question. But I think you looked at it from a Wolves perspective and said. Not bad. Like, you didn't get completely, absolutely dominated by the best player in this series. And so um, I do think that uh, the Nuggets played well, but not great. Mm. And I think that also the Wolves played really poorly. Um, Rudy, whether it's the back or whether it's the Nuggets spacing or whether it, like, he just was really ineffective. Has he looked this stiff all year? Uh, the, last, the last week or so when the back, really? since the back came up, he really isn't. But even in the prior, earlier in the season, he wasn't, like, a, a really moving around dominantly like you saw in, against Utah, or while he was with Utah. When was the first time you heard about a back injury? Well, he, he so he missed the backs with the before back game eighty two before game eighty two hmm. before. So this isn't a seasons long thing. This was a this was a recent. Okay, they occurrence. had a back to back game eighty one eighty two. They're in Austin to play the Spurs, and then the next day they had the Pelicans game, which was the which was the the Rudy Kyle the Rudy Kyle fight, fight too, right, right. which I think actually the back was a factor in that. Like Rudy wouldn't if that wasn't game eighty two, he he wouldn't he have played. played in that game, mm, right? Um, so there is. Yeah, but that's that's when it picked up. And then he, he plays a lot in that game, plays a lot, well, doesn't play in the Lakers game. He said he wouldn't have played in that Lakers game had he not been suspended and then did play in the, in the Thunder game as well, too, and talked about that kind of tightening up mm -hmm. after yep. the final play in game two. So the back's yep. for sure a thing. Yep. I mean, you and, could yeah. tell yeah. Yeah. in game one, like he could not really move that. Couldn't ball. get down the court. Yeah. Like, and that that's, I mean, transition defense is a struggle for them with the two bigs, but 
especially when Rudy is slow getting down the court and getting beat to the offensive glass. But then, you know, then also from from the Wolves' perspective, like Carl Anthony Towns, if he's going to go two for 11 through three quarters, right. like they have no chance. And And some of the shot selection wasn't great, but also there were some wide open good looks that he makes in his sleep. Yeah. Does, and, and he didn't make it. So there are a few things that the Wolves can kind of cross their fingers and cling to that will be better, that they hope will be better in game two that would tighten the gap. But there's obviously a, a huge gap to be narrowed here. Michael Malone, by the way, referenced Carl Anthony Towns' shots today. And, and we talked about it on the pod, too, that and I'm with you. He gets he draws some foul trouble. You have an advantage, and you think, oh, no, here's danger. And then he takes like two or three threes yep. in a row, and you're like, what are you doing, man? Yep. Go at the rim. Nobody wants to foul. You're going to mm-hmm. get a layups. But so I think some of that, both the shot selection and the efficiency, will change in game two just because I know I've seen Towns make buckets, including at Ball Arena. But the other thing you said that's interesting, because we just got back from Denver Nuggets practice, you talked about containing Jokic. I actually thought Jokic was great in the first half, but this every he's always great in different ways. And in today, what he said that was so interesting was he said, yeah, I don't think I'm going to post up much this series. This isn't a series for me to post up. And I think that's where you most feel like if he's having a good or bad game because he's on the post scoring or passing. And he just is like, that's not an area that he feels. Am I misquoting this? That's not an area he feels where he's going to be this series. Yeah. No, that's, that's about what he said. He also said he doesn't expect to see a lot of double teams, he said. Mm-hmm. Which I thought is interesting. One, I thought the Nuggets kind of shared more than usual. Michael Mullen said exactly what he expects from Minnesota in game two, like 30 minutes ago. Go, he, go through him. He said more Towns post-ups. Yeah. He said more Anthony Edwards pick and roll. Right. And he also said more Kyle Anderson, Mike Conley pick and roll. Right. Which I actually think. Those are three of the things like they're broadcasting that they're watching for. I would flip that in order if I was the Wolves. I would mm-hmm. say Mike Conley, Kyle Anderson pick and roll was the best and only good offense the Wolves ran in that game. Rudy was off the floor, so Carl spaced right. to the corner. Yep. Yeah. It opens up that entire floater area for Conley and Anderson to work where they're so good. Rudy eats up that space a lot of the time when he's in the dunker. So I think that's a, a main priority. And you just got to get going. Right. right. I don't know if pick and roll is the way they will do that because Rudy, as John knows, like Rudy and Ant have developed zero, zero. pick and roll chemistry <laughs> Over the course of the season, that's just not really a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a normal circumstance, like I remember when we were here last time, we were watching the the Nuggets Blazers game, and Dame and the Blazers were just cooking Jokic and with that high pick and roll, and they were just setting that screen so high, and Dame's just coming downhill, barreling at Jokic, and that's what I would love to see Ant do in this game. But the Wolves don't do that. That will be, if they do that, that will be some of the first times we've ever seen Ant. Gobert in that sort of way. And then the Towns thing, I disagree with. I think that makes the offense sticky. Um, mm. And and I I just, I don't think it's a matchup where, I mean, Gordon guards him well. I don't yeah. think that's how you get the overall offense really flowing as is so important. To I think part of that, I don't know if Malone just said this or if it's something we talked about, but I think they're also expecting maybe splitting up Towns and Gobert that a little has more. To happen. Yeah. But well, they don't th- do it often. That's... Yeah. They don't do it often, but it has to be a case because, like, you can just see, especially in this series, how the two of them slow everything down so much. And they worked wonderfully against OKC when you're facing a bunch of 6'6 guys in the front court and you can just beat them up. That's just sure. not going to happen in this series. So. I will say, though, to your point, Dane, about, you know, they don't do a lot of this, right? The pick and roll that you're talking about, the high pick and rolls. This is the playoffs, though, because last year the Warriors did not run pick and roll. They're not a pick and roll team. They were off screens and everything else. 
Against the Nuggets, they just ran pick and roll. And so I do think there's this sense of, even if that's not your personality, sometimes you match up, hey, this is what Yoke struggles with, so we're just going to go with it and see what happens. And that's why I do anticipate that they will actually get to this, even if you don't have a lot of reference for it. And then I don't know how you guys feel, but it did seem like Towns, after the game, he talked about them all knowing the plays, and it almost felt a little bit like a shot at the coaching staff or more of a like, hey, I don't know, man, they have us scouted, we need to be more clever. Jokic actually shouted out Chris Finch at the presser today saying that he likes their offense and how simple it is. Yeah. He's like, there's a lot of reads you get to make, but there's the freedom to make those reads or some something of that, that extent. So I say all that to say, oftentimes, you guys experience this, a quote will come out, and I know people will interpret that as, this team is so dumb or this or that. All teams make adjustments in the playoffs that are uncharacteristic. They play lineups they've never played before. Yeah, I, and I mean, I, I'll say, like, I think Finch would love to coach Jokic in his offense, <laughs> right, like, right. because... Like that's the kind of cerebral player that really excels in a in a free flowing. Uh, why Kyle's been so good? Exactly. Why mm. Kyle? Why Conley? I think it, it has his moments. Um, I think that sometimes, if there is a criticism of Chris Finch this this season, it has been some of the players need more structure mm. in in times when you are just not making good decisions, when the reads are not coming naturally, and you got to just, hey, let's get Towns in this spot where he's comfortable and make it. Let's get Anthony Edwards going right. in a way. And, and, and I think Chris Finch likes to let the players play off of their instincts and go that way. Um, and, yeah, Jokic would be tremendous uh, in, in, a, in a situation like that. But some of the players I don't know are as equipped to handle all of that responsibility and freedom um, as well as others are so far. I'll jump on that, too. I mean, I think it's a, a group that you have some really high basketball IQ players and mm -hmm. some players who are independent creators, right? And and the, the high basketball IQ guys, the fluidity of a flow offense is what, you know, is what gets them going. What I think the Wolves run into all the time is that juxtaposition of isolation, heavy players like Ant and Cat versus wanting an overall flow, and that's when it gets – you just lock up. And and they scored 12 points in the fourth quarter against the Lakers. They scored 14 mm. points in the third quarter against the Nuggets. I mean, it that has been the the conflict offense. I mean, this team was 23rd in offensive rating this season. That mm. that is a systemic right. like offensive system issue. Even with all the injuries and, and and stuff they had, it just doesn't all fit well together in terms of offense. And what offense often bails them out is elite shot making yep. where it is Carl who is able to, I mean, he could obviously shoot it at, at an elite level or surrounding players like Torian Prince or whoever blowing up from, from three point, but so often it gets, it gets bogged down. And I, I just want to say to the, to the town's point of why he shot so bad, in my opinion, it's because he guarded Jokic. It wears him out a little. It, it's a men it mentally right. messes right. with as it. Cause Jokic is going to, that's not even a really an indictment on Carl. Jokic is going to get his against anybody. So then if Jokic is going at Carl, plus Carl misses his first two shots, then there's some of this pressing there. And I think Carl is too good of a shooter to have that type of performance. So you have to point at something. And I think, I think it was a bad idea to have Carl Anthony Towns get cooked again, as anyone would against Jokic, and then expect him to like wash that away and offensively be able to go do his thing on the other side of the floor I mean, I'm, I'm putting Gobert on Jokic, first possession of the game, and the only other time 
the only other person who ever guards Jokic is Kyle Anderson. That that's what I. Yeah, mean. it's so the fatigue part of that is so important. I mean, we saw it with Jokic in the last couple of years, sure. and it sucks from a narrative standpoint because you're watching like in that Sun series, Jokic is guarding every possession. He's out on screens. You see him walking around, and then it's like, well, look, he offensively now he's lost a step, and it's like, hey, it's a real thing that I think is underappreciated, and it's also something with Jamal Murray this year that why I expect a lot out of him is. He has the best defensive sidekick he's ever had and the least defensive responsibility, mm-hmm. at least in almost every matchup, certainly in this one. So you expect him to be more rested than on the other side. Let's take our first break, though. On the other side, I want to come back to your point about Kyle Anderson and Mike Conley pick and rolls. Because while I agree that that is a good option, I actually think that the success they had could be a false success that would encourage me if they went to it a little bit more. <laughs> we'll talk about that on the other side. All right, this episode of TDSP brought to you by Illegal Pete's. It's grad season, guys. Grad parties, maybe you're hosting one, maybe you're going to it. Cater with Illegal Pete's. Catering.illegalpeets.com. Don't worry about pulling an all-nighter right before your grad party, cooking food, or you you don't know where to order from. Get it taken care of ahead of time with Illegal Pete's. They got great catering options, all your favorites from there catering.illegalpeats.com that's where to go uh it's grad season so burritos tacos nachos you know everything uh illegal pizza has catering.illegalpeats.com also if you want uh nuggets tickets game two wednesday night check out the game time app um they've got great tickets courtside first uh level for great prices as well um, don't go messing around with all those other third-party sites. Just use the Game Time app and use code DNVR for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms do apply. But forty-four dollar tickets for this game, which is kind of crazy, man. For tomorrow night's game on it's Game cheap. Time, that's 44, cheap for a game. Forty-six. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, download the Game Time app, create an account, use code DNVR, get twenty dollars off that purchase. You'd be going to uh, Game Two for cheap. Um, Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Uh, that's the Game Time app. Snap, snag your tickets with them. Don't stress about it. Again, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code DNVR. Twenty dollars off your first purchase. Hundred dollars for lower level ones. I feel like that's that's crazy. That is for a the cheapest ticket? of the last couple years for sure. Did you see the Sacramento ticket prices? Did you see the prices <laughs> well, for that game? A thousand a, bucks. Yeah, each. they, they were more expensive in. than Golden State. How? Home why games. is that? <laughs> Just because the demand. fan base, yeah, there's de- just demand. Like, yeah, demand. I mean, Sacramento's wild. They man. have not, they haven't had anything forever there. I mean, yeah. the thirst to get back in, and then you're playing stuff and the Warriors. Only oh show gosh. in town too, and they just have a cool basketball culture awesome. there, man. Like they really, everybody always claims best fans for whatever. I actually think they're the best fans. Oh, I think it's Sacramento Kings fans, no yeah. doubt. They're, they're definitely up there. Um, all right, so you like in game two an adjustment of maybe going to Mike Conley pick and roll with you give me go Bear or Towns. I do think that that gives problems. Here's my thing with Kyle Anderson. I love Kyle Anderson, by the way. I'm a big fan. We want him on the Nuggets, actually. Yeah, we want, he's like a guy. He's like one of those guys <laughs> yeah. you covet. They're not going to beat Denver with Kyle Anderson push shots or Mike Conley push shots. Denver scores at such a high clip at all times when Jokic is on the court that you have to beat him in a way that's either going to put pressure on him defensively to move or fouls him out or scores at a high level. Not going to f- foul him out, and I just don't think you're going to score at a high level. You'll get good looks. But again... Jokic Murray offense versus push shots versus Kyle Anderson rolling to the basket. He'll make some. I just don't think he'll make nearly enough. Well, I mean, I think like that's the, why they're going to lose. This is why the Wolves are going to lose the series. Like, there, I mean, that's why. There's yeah. There's two things. That one is like yeah. It, it can't be like your only like the your bread and butter of the yeah. series. But what we have seen Chris Finch do time and again 
this since the trade deadline is when this offense struggles, it's the ball is either in Kyle Anderson's hands or Mike Conley's hands to get a good shot to stop a 14 point quarter from happening and make that 22 points in the quarter and tread water. To me, like the only way that the, the, the Wolves have a chance of winning this series is if they have two of the three best players in the series. Cat mm. and Ant are right. number two and number three on the pecking order in the series in terms of production, in terms of all of that. It is a realistic scenario if Anthony Edwards is healthy and right and going that is a feasible thing, but it's also a very big uphill climb um, to where they're at right now and the way that they are playing. Like, So if we're talking the entire series and having a chance to be the first eight to beat a one since 2011, that's the way that you do it. Um, but if you're just ch in terms of stopping the bleeding that happens so often with yeah. this team, it's it's a Mike Kyle, run some things, get a good shot, and just calm everybody down a little bit. It's a good Band-Aid. Yep. Uh, but also what I would push back on a little bit too is I like Towns in the corner. Sure. And if you do get to the point where – and Conley and Andrew, I agree, obviously, the floater's not like going to be a highly productive shot over the course of time – but if they make a handful of them and you need to start bringing a third guy into that action, then Carl would yeah. be more open in the corner. If you can get some Carl corner threes out of that with like Anderson finding him on the short roll in that way, I mean, I think that's where you open some stuff up. But yeah, like your main like diet of offense cannot be Mike Conley and Kyle Anderson pick and roll. You have. But I just think I would never bring a guy off of the shooters in that scenario. Even no, Towns, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter because, again, in a certain pick and roll, so let's just say. Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, pick and roll. You might give up the layup, or actually Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert. You might get Anthony Edwards to the cup getting layups, and that's like, yeah, this is bad. He's going to make these every time. And you might get the lob where it's a dunk. They're going to make that every single time. If it's Mike Conley, I just feel like you don't have to step up. If he's going to shoot the floater, he'll make half of them. Mm -hmm. And the same thing for Kyle Anderson, where he went like four for four yesterday in the good part of that. As good as you could have been, and I was just like, it's fine. Like, whatever. And you're right that it is good to go to that to stop the bleeding or get a shot. I just, am I rough on this in your opinion? Do you fear that combination? No, but I'm with those guys in thinking, like, it can give Minnesota some rhythm. And, like, that's something they didn't have at all in yeah. that game. Rhythm's that was the word. only time when they found that rhythm was yeah. those, you know, those couple possessions in a row when they got that floater. I, I think... Um, Trying to get Anthony Edwards going has to key. be a move. I agree. I mean, what does that what does that look like? Like, how would Minnesota get him going potentially in game two? Transition. Yep. Yeah. Get him out in transition. Get some stops and get him going that way. The 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 real troubling thing I think from a Wolves perspective is since he had this shoulder issue that has come up, the the thing that makes him breathtaking and makes him such a tough cover is he gets to his left hand and he goes downhill and he finishes with his mm. left. And he seems a lot more tentative going that way with call. this thing that he is battling. We don't know exactly what it is. And to his credit, he has not used that as any kind of excuse. Love that. So far, it's been great. But you see it. He's wearing a T-shirt under his right. jersey that he never does. He's got it all taped up. And anytime he goes to the left-hand dribble, it is not with as much force as he is normally has there. And That's interesting. time and time again, when he is at his best... He is crossing someone up, euroing to the left, and finishing acrobatically with the left. And he just doesn't seem to be in, inviting as much contact right now with that, and he doesn't seem to trust that as much. And we saw last year in the, in the Memphis series, especially game one, 
um, when he is on fire, like you, you can't do anything with him. But we have not seen him get to that level in quite a while now. It's we've, been a we've long almost time. also never seen him do that while Rudy Gobert is on the floor. True, mm, or, yeah. or that it has been so sparse over yep. the the course of the season. I mean, the best Ant moments of this season have come with Nas Reed on the floor as the big, mm. and then it's more space. I mean, Ant, whether if there's a big rim protector at the rim, he'll be hesitant to go all the way to the rim. Or if there's just more bodies in the paint, Wolves' bodies, he'll be more hesitant to go to the rim. So in this this series, you don't have a strong rim protector on, on the floor in that sort of way, so he should be able to get going. But I think Gobert is or certainly in game one, and I think going forward, will just his presence there in the lane deters Ant from really being intentional, intentional about about getting downhill. I mean, I don't think Rudy can play high 30s. Well, do you think there's any chance that he gets either benched or just never plays with Ant? That it's just like, we're never going to pair these guys. We haven't seen that much yet, but I mean, like Chris Finch has shown that he will make adjustments that way. I mean, he benched D'Angelo Russell down the stretch in game six in Memphis. He did sit Rudy against Brooklyn Mm -hmm. on the road when they were rolling with a smaller lineup. Um, If pushed to the absolute max, maybe. But I do think that Finch has been very reluctant to part from that and or to any to do anything that would intimate that Rudy is the problem. And like he's been for whatever reason very protective of of the Rudy thing. And certainly he's he's said time and time again he believes in the Rudy Cat thing. So they really want to make this work. But do you I think mean, the players believe in it? No. No, no, not at all. Is this a point of friction, you think, it's, on the season? And here's what I've said like the whole time, it, especially coming off of the Kyle thing. Like the players don't hate Rudy. Like this is not a Jimmy Butler cat situation, dysfunctional locker room at all. There's just, I think, an uncertainty and a, and a kind of frustration about how do I play with this guy who is so unique. Right. And that takes a while and um there are you know the guys who do like mike conley has played with rudy for a long time so he understands how impactful rudy can be and kyle's been his best partner all year too and kyle and another high high iq guy who recognizes a theme here i think yeah yeah and it's just like the other guys either are unfamiliar or do not maybe appreciate what rudy can do or how to make that happen as well and they just haven't seen him dominate like right. that, and that's been that's been a hard thing for this team. I think put him on Jokic, see if he can give Jokic problems in the first quarter, and then roll with the energy from that. Yes. I, yeah, I think you need to go into before you even think about like in a significant way bagging Gobert. You got to try and weaponize him right. on both sides of the floor. I, I think that's on Jokic defensively, and then you got to try and run pick and roll with him as a screener on the offensive side of the floor. And if you don't get anything going there, then yeah, now. Case now we're stuck with the band-aid class, yeah. of Kyle Anderson and Mike Conley pick and roll. Gotcha. What do you what else do you think with game two as we kind of look ahead now? What are some other things that you anticipate to be storylines? I mean, like one thing that is way down the list or whatever, but like I think is really important for them is they gotta have guys like Torian Prince make shots. I mean, you know, like he missed all four of his threes, I think. Um, and and when this offense does click, it is drive, kick swing swing find prince in a in a with an open look in the corner on the wing and he knocks those down 
And, you know, it, it's, it feels kind of dangerous to say, well, to have a chance, Torian Prince has to show up. Or, but, like, he is a very important cog, not only with his catch and shoots and things like that, but also getting out in transition and scoring mm-hmm. uh, that way. He's really aggressive going to the basket when he gets out and runs. And he makes the offense a lot easier. And when you don't have that third or fourth guy who is – catching and making shots in you know sometimes it's been alexander walker sometimes it's got there's got to be some role player that emerges and just knocks down a few shots for them and to to like keep denver like thinking a little bit more about loading up where they do and and getting them a little uncomfortable i think that's i wonder if he starts it's possible i was gonna ask you guys do you think they switch up the starting lineup at all it's possible i think they only went with the keel in game one because he was awesome in the final play in game I mean, this is a really new thing. I mean, Alexander Walker was really good in the Lakers game, really good in the Thunder game, and they kind of just continued to roll with that. And you want to put him on Jamal, I get that. I, I will say, I thought he was really good defensively yeah. in the first half on yeah, Jamal. he's good. And man. then he's Jamal, good. like he usually does, hits one shot, one tough shot, and then he's going. That's like the, always the case with Jamal. But, but in the first he plays half, with the I thought second he was... unit, though, right? Like Jamal plays with the second mm-hmm. unit yeah. a lot of the time. So if you didn't start Nikhil, true, like then you could still have him guarding at, at that time. True. I just think spacing is yep. so important and you get more spacing with Torian Prince and it, and the most concerning time for the Wolves is when they have their starting five on the floor like Conley, Ant, Gobert and Towns and I, I don't know I, I think you want to do everything you can to make that work and I think spacing is probably the best way to do it and TP brings that most. If you don't start Nikhil Alexander-Walker and you do put Gobert on Jokic first quarter points for Jamal Murray might be my bet tomorrow mm-hmm. when we do this just because to me, you're giving him now somebody he's comfortable going with. Mike Conley's too small, as good as he is. Um, Anthony Edwards, I don't think, is uh, he can be a good go- defender, but you're talking about the pick-and-roll defense mm-hmm. on, with Jokic, which is its own beast. You know, They're so yeah. good at that that it's even if he can be one-on-one defender, it's not going to be that. So I just look at that and I go, point. this mm-hmm. is the thing about Denver offensively, is I really do think that they have a solve for, I don't want to say everyone, because they might run into someone that figures them out, but they have a solve for most. And if you're not a great defense... They probably can quickly go to, oh, they went to this, we're going to this, and, and it'll work. That's why I kind of have confidence in that one. Um, the shot making is also interesting because I'm with you. I expect it in games three and four that there's going to be somebody that makes shots where we're like, you got to be kidding. Kyle Anderson's oh, three for, for sure. three. Mm-hmm. I don't expect that in game two, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it Maybe not. I, I guess the one, if you want to be optimistic on the Wolf side, maybe it, hey, they got two days to get their legs yeah. underneath them. To get you know a little bit used to the altitude, all that stuff, and maybe they will just be, you know, a little have a little more juice. Um, and you know, if if you're leaving shots short in game one because you're tired, maybe maybe it's a, you get a little bit more. But these are all things that you're these are all straws you're grasping right. at a little bit with uh, when you're playing a number one seed and you're the eight seed. Like that, there's a reason that that this is it, and and it's going to be matchup problems all over floor. And like getting back to kind of the start where we talked about how. You, you feel kind of good about Jokic and what they did on him. I thought that Jokic was very intentional on, I don't I can get mine whenever I want. Yeah. So I'm going to get KCP going. I'm going to get Bruce Brown going. I'm going to get Jamal going. And those are the guys that are more sort of like can ride a wave confidence-wise. Right. And so in the playoffs, game one, maybe there's a little nerves. Maybe everyone's wondering about how this is going to go. Don't worry about me. I'm going to get these guys rolling. And then when that happens, I mean, good luck. Like, right. there's just, there's no, there's no counter to that from the Wolves' perspective. It's really a strategy Jokic has used for most of this season mm-hmm. because the last two years, he's had 
way less help around him than he does right now. And his scoring numbers have been way up just because that's what he had to do to get a win. This whole season, I think, has been like almost a long play from Jokic to so just true. get everybody comfortable. First, it was like Michael Porter. Then it was Jamal. Mm-hmm. Bru- like He's gone in stages of... Like getting everybody up to speed. I think he took three shots in the preseason. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing because he played in three or four games yeah. and he just never shot. And yeah. you're watching this going, is he trolling? Of course, you get to the regular season, he shoots. But I'm telling you, I'm fully aware that other people, when they come in here, we talk about, we're like a cult, you know, like we're talking <laughs> about our deity in this way. But when you watch Yoke this way, you really do pick up on these things where you're like, he is playing the long game on a lot of this stuff of just yeah. like, I'm trying to show the new guys that. If I don't shoot, they don't need to feel jealous about shooting either. And just does he was things. never worried in game one because you could so. just see like even there were a couple of times where maybe the Timberwolves are tightening up just a little bit. And then he just did grab it and back it down. All and right. then you got he, either a real easy shot for himself or for someone else. And like he you could just tell he was he was playing from a, a position of I can get mine whenever I want. And so. We will lean on that if we absolutely have to, but we are going to be much better if I can make sure that everyone else yeah. is in the rhythm. Something to watch with Jokic, though. He shot 6-12 of 12 in game one. That's like a bad shooting game from him efficiency-wise, mm-hmm. and his wrist was bothering him, it mm-hmm. seemed like. I mean, he was icing it at the end of the game. It was in a wrap. It's a year-and-a-half-long injury. It, it's so, something time. that flares up time and time again. It didn't seem like he had like his perfect you know, 100th percentile touch. Right in that mm-hmm. game, yeah. Yeah. he also was hesitant to take threes, which he generally is. But like, there was a couple times we caught at the top where like, I think you would normally shoot. And that. if Rudy Gobert's on him, he usually looks to shoot threes yeah. in that but matchup. To, to but draw to John's him out. point, I think that's a sign that he was very comfortable because yeah. that's also yeah. like a right. I have to do this. But last right. uh, last game, he didn't feel the need to. He didn't have to go to that level. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the wrist is just something to watch. Mm-hmm. We, we were just at practice. He wasn't going through the shooting drills at the end. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. He says it's fine, but it's something to watch. Do you have a prediction for game? I'll start with you, Dane. How do you think it goes? Well, it's it's interesting in that the Wolves, when they have had a terrible game all year, have bounced back. Okay. Mm-hmm. They like, I mean, they're something like, well, like 5 and 11 versus the teams with the five worst records in the league this year. And every one of those, after like every one of those 11 losses, it's been like, Oh my gosh, this team. And you know, it's like one of those losses that you feel like is going to start a losing streak, but they really do like bounce back, like, you know, the classic like short memory or whatever. Right. But, but so what I'm kind of seeing is I think the Wolves bounce back in a major way offensively and kind of like we saw in those, in those other times. I just want to kind of to the last point of like Jokic getting everybody else going. It's like the Nuggets had the punch of Jokic. The Wolves might be able to punch back with that, but then it's the others there too that even, and particularly if it's here in Denver, getting those other guys going while the Wolves are too, I still think that would be too much for the Wolves. Like if this was at home, if this game was back in Minnesota, I wouldn't be surprised if the mm. Wolves won it. I, I wouldn't, which is crazy after how bad that, that first game was, but it just feels like they're going to need to play like a perfect game here and have... Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray like miss shots. That right, that right. that seems and KCP, you know, like, and and that's that. Denver has worked on avoiding that all year by having so many different options. So it's hard for me to see the Wolves bounce back in that sort of way, but they have. They really have mm-hmm. all all season. Yeah, I think like to that point. I mean, if you were to poll the NBA about what their thoughts are of the Timberwolves, it, they would say Carl Anthony Towns is soft, Rudy Gobert is soft, but that. 
the 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 toughness and the fiber of this team during the season has sort of spoken uh, opposite of that in terms of they do find some resilience to when they are totally against the wall um, come out fighting and, and and have a good game now maybe that's game three if they get throttled in game two um, and do it that way but um, to me it's just like unless they find a way to get Anthony Edwards to be more of the Anthony Edwards that was through the first three quarters of the season, uh, it's going to be a really, really short series. Um, the middle of the season. He, he's yes. the guy, the that, I don't, he's yeah, the yeah, guy sure. I don't think Denver can give confidence to. Yeah, right, exactly. He's, he's the one guy who can sort of, if he is right, can physically pair, yeah. overwhelm anyone that you put in front of him, whether it's Denver or the Lakers, whoever it is. And so, but he just hasn't gotten to that point. Now, does two days off, does a few things, does that help? With that, but that's their only chance. I do think, like, I think it will be a closer game in Game mm-hmm. Two. I think that the Me Wolves too. will will execute a little bit better. Carl Anthony Towns will hit some hit some shots, and it will be a a bit of a tighter game. Um, but unless Ant becomes the, oh my God, I can't believe he just made that shot, Ant. Um, they're gonna lose, and then it'll be two zero going back to Minneapolis. Denver has so many guys to put on them too. Yep. Like KCP did a good job. Bruce Brown off the bench, and then even like. If it isn't the two bigs out there, Aaron Gordon can guard them at right. times too. Like, they, I think Denver matches up really well with yep. this with this Wolves team. I, I will say Denver's never in this this era, the Jokic Malone era. They've never been up 2-0. So this is uncharted territory. We've also never had all these good defenders, like you say, to put on an Anthony Edwards. Half half of the Jokic era playoff part has been with a team severely injured, so shorthanded. But that's part of it. But also, even in their first two good years, the deeper runs they made. Game sevens, you know. Nuggets have never won a series in the Jokic era in less than six games. Well, I mean, and speaking of that, too, like, you have to mention, like, if if the Wolves had Jane McDaniels and Nas Reed, mm-hmm. this is a different series. Oh, yeah, like sure. this is a totally different. They have a, a few more options to throw at them to make them a little more versatile, and they just don't. And so now they're running yeah, seven. The and Wolves a half have guys. got seven. I mean, that yeah. that's a huge part of this is a, yeah. a lack of depth. And in theory, that's a place where you should be able to hurt Denver, right? Mm-hmm. Like should be able to dominate the non-cap minute or the yeah. non-Jokic minutes, right? And it just the bench is just so thin right now. I wonder if that might be an adjustment if we see somebody we didn't see like at all. Um, in in the first game, this is one of the hard parts about Minnesota, though, because I played this game as well. We start going down here, like, Austin River, yeah, 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 yeah Austin right. River, hey, you're just Josh like, Minot, baby, yeah. Josh, Minot. he killed it yeah. summer league. Um, I will say this, Harrison, I get your take real quick, but the Nuggets to me do have a different energy than I've ever seen from them before, including at today's practice. They're just very confident, but not confident as in cocky. They're just very relaxed. As you were talking about, Jokic never seemed bothered. I, that's just the mood I get from the team. Michael Malone, the players, there's a confidence about they've been in the playoffs a lot and they've been through a lot of different battles. And I think they just kind of know like, oh, we've seen this. We know where this goes from here. We know yeah. like, almost like they're seeing the next four adjustments and they're like, we're just prepared for all of that. Whereas with Minnesota, even hearing you guys, the way you're talking about the series and talking about the structure of the team and what they've gone through this year, it's very much reminds me of Denver four years ago where mm-hmm. it's like they just don't have a lot of this experience. So they almost don't see that many different variations ahead. That, so my that's my opinion of saying I feel pretty good about Denver, and I think Denver feels really good about themselves. I agree, and I think a reason why is because going back years and even this season, the Nuggets have seen so many different defenses and different coverages and different adjustments because Nikola Jokic is just a player that you're forced to adjust to in creative and different ways game to game. And... Um, like they've seen 
what happens when a guy like Kyle Anderson guards him. Like PJ Tucker guarded him in Philly that game and and shut him down in that second half. Like th- they've seen that. They've seen so many different adjustments. So I'm with you. I, I think there's just an overall confidence. I think they're trying not to be too cocky. Sure. Like they're actively trying to be like, all right, let's just let's get game two. Um, Cocky's just not their personality. Right. So yeah. like, but they but so confidence toes up to that. Like yeah. They're just not that personality. Well, yeah, they're very confident. Uh, let's take a break. On the other side, I want to wrap up with a quick segment here talking about the year that they've had, because, of course, we have a bunch of people over there. Chris Finch, mm-hmm. Tim Conley, uh, Austin Rivers. Is Britton Forbes still there? No, he's, no. he's, he's gone. He's gone? Yeah, All right, well, there's three left. of them. Mike Anori, there's four. Mike Anori. Yeah. I like Mike Anori. <laughs> okay. You know who so, else does? So does Nico Young. Nico Young yes. shouted him out today. <laughs> Absolutely. Best buds. Uh, Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Make sure to pick up some Avalanche Amber Ale. Avs game one of the playoffs is tonight at Ball Arena. Oh, my goodness. Hold on a second. Tonight? Avs tomorrow Nuggets. Yeah. Thursday Avs. Yep. Friday Nuggets. Saturday Avs. Sunday Nuggets. Woo! Not great for hotel prices. <laughs> in, in town, I'll tell you that. Good for DNVR sports. <laughs> yeah. Good, very good for us. this place though. Like, <laughs> this place will be packed tomorrow. Uh, but if you're at home, pick up some Breck Brew. Pick up some Avalanche Amber Ale. If you don't know where to get where to get it, check out the Breck Brew beer locator on their website. That will tell you exactly where to get Breck Brew. Uh, Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. Also, uh, shout out Circle K. We're so excited to partner with our friends over at Circle K. Check out your local Circle K for the best coffee, beer, and snack selection. They do and have the premium best premium gas as well. If you're stopping for a gas station coffee, I'm telling you. It's got to be Circle K. got to be Circle K. Um, snacks, great deals, great prices, great coffee, like you said. Tons of different locations as well. Thanks to Circle K for sponsoring DNVR. Visit the nearest Circle K to pick up all of your favorite finds. There we go. All right, last segment here. Denver Sports Podcast and DNVR Nuggets Podcast with Dane Moore. Check him out. Great podcast, the Dane Moore Basketball Podcast. One of the most popular basketball podcasts in the world. I check the charts all the time. Dane right up there with Zach Lowe. It's like Zach Lowe, Dane Moore. <laughs> We should, That's a we, credit to Wolves fans. Man. We gotta we gotta name the podcast after ourselves. Yeah, that's that's it. Club? That's what it was. That's is this you Adam wanting to name the podcast I'm after just, yourself? Can we start calling right. it the Adam Mata's Basketball I mean, Podcast featuring Harrison? Wayne? You have more pull on this than I would. So. <laughs> and then of course all the great stuff at the Athletic and John Krasinski and everything he does. So, guys. <laughs> There's no nothing funnier than when the people you like, a player you love, goes to another team. And like, let's be all honest, we all love players for different reasons. Like Wancho, love Wancho. Mm. Yeah, oh, you yeah, guys yeah. got Wancho. Love Wancho. Love Wancho. We can actually yeah. make this the whole show. We can <laughs> make this the Wancho show. But like, if you were asked me, like, is Malik. Wancho gonna be good in his yeah. next stop? I'd have been like, yeah. probably not. I don't know. <laughs> but you know, we really love Tim Conley, uh, the character that he is, and obviously he brought us Nikola Jokic. You know, I owe him <laughs> my career, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but even Chris Finch and Mike Nori, I really enjoyed in their time here. I mean, all three of those guys, I would describe as chill. But then I go on Reddit and mm. I go on Twitter and I kind of check around and yeah. it's a complete opposite experience it seems uh, in Minnesota. Like, kind of, where are we at now that it's been a full season? Yeah, I mean, it's here's the the first first part of it. Just like from a macro perspective, is whenever every anything isn't going perfectly right, sports fans want everyone fired. Yeah, like that's of just the way that it is. Yep. Uh, Tim Conley's got to be fired. Chris Finch has got to be fired, and there is that there is no other adjustment or reaction to it then get these guys out of here now 
Tim Connolly's first move, <laughs> Rudy Gobert and, and yeah. paying the house for that, it it's a it's been a bad trade. And he overpaid and every even in, in the moment, you're like, wow, you really overpaid for that. But then seeing what they've gotten from Rudy and how it has affected things, it has made it very difficult, uh, I think locally for Tim. Um, which, you know, I've known him well for a long, long time. I think he's a really, really smart guy. Um, I think he has a great eye for talent. Uh People make bad trades like that happens all the time. Unfortunately, he's made a bad one here, and that's right now, kind of his legacy and the thing that he is that he is fighting. And it, it you know, I, I kind of and you guys would know this better and maybe can speak to it more. But I've heard kind of stories about how Tim's first year or two in Denver, he was uh, on the hot seat and things were not going well. And, it was a disaster. Yeah, for several moves. And and, yeah. and and like it was kind of like. What is this guy doing? Does he know what he's doing? And how long is he going to be here? Eventually he gets Jokic. Then it's, it's not, but it's not just Jokic, which is what I tell people back home is everyone's, oh, he got lucky with Jokic in the second round. No, it's Jamal Murray. It's Aaron Gordon. It's like, he made a lot of good margin moves too, yeah. but they're all, there's a pattern to all of his good moves. He identified a depressed asset, usually a young one, and mm -hmm. brought him in. So either it was a Will Barton esque trade or it was a draft player in the second round or something like this. Even Gordon was that. Even yeah, even Aaron Gordon, I think to he was a, a depressed asset at yeah, that. Yeah, he time. was a depressed people asset. People forget not a lot of people were very excited about trying to get Aaron Gordon mm -hmm. like at that trade. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean that's why he went for the price that yeah. he went for. Mm -hmm. Um but the trade part, I mean, even Denver will tell you Nurkic Denver added a pick to yeah. send Nurkic away, yeah. which mm -hmm. ended up getting Mason Plumlee. And you think, come on, man, like those guys right. are at best equals mm -hmm. or at worst equals. So I do think that the trade thing, I'm almost it, that's the, that's the part of like if you check all the boxes of what is he good and what is he bad at. The trade part to me is one that you're like, I don't know, man, that's the one that I don't know that he's done and a that, great job. But of. then he did like, I mean, then he flipped D'Lo for Conley, Alexander Walker in three seconds, and that's a really good deal. I really, so. and again, that, but that's another margin that's, one. That's yes. the margin yep. ones exactly. Yep. Yep. He, he's yep. been great on the margin. I mean, Kyle Anderson for the mid level great was, was a was a great margin move. But yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna Remembered be judged by the the Gobert trade, yep. and the Gobert trade has a cascading impact yeah. on the Q scores of everybody else too because. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it it impacts it impacts everything, and it, it's impacted Anthony Edwards. This year. It's impacted Chris Finch. Like mm. we we last year, I mean, the word was Chris Finch is the best coach in Timberwolves history, mm -hmm. uh, which is not a high bar. But like, <laughs> I mean, but actually, I mean, I I was of that mind. I mean, yep. Flip is before my time, but that's the, the the only competition there. I would say to kind of transition off of Conley, like sure. to the Finch point of it. Like this has been a tough year for Finch because he's really stayed glued to the whole Finchian flow type of offense, which is his that is his identity as a coach. But I in my opinion, all year it's been painfully obvious that this team needs more structure right. in terms of the personnel. Right. And then like you got Rudy Gobert, who all he the only success he has ever had offensively is in the utmost structured offense and it's been it's been a bad I don't think Finch should be fired but it's been a bad Finch year um they they tried to post up Gobert a ton the first 20 games of the year which was like what you know <laughs> what, what what is happening here and it's been a lot of that stuff which ultimately gets you when you factor in injuries and all those sort of things where you're like I have no idea what this team's identity is and here we are in the playoffs right you know that to some extent is is on the coach uh but the move Without that move, we're not having this yeah. conversation about Finch, I think. Was there ever a point in the season where you feel like it was sort of 
you know, going the other direction. Like, all right, people are coming around on the the vision. I mean, they Nas, Nas week, right? Yeah, Nas week. Like uh, <laughs> they they went on the West Coast. Um, they beat Golden State on the road. They beat Sacramento on the road, back to back. That's two great wins. Um, and they were and 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 not, the big identity made sense. Yes, it was the first time all year because they kept big. They stayed two bigs, two centers the whole time, and it was giving those teams problems. Yep. And and you were like, okay, that I actually see this here. Then they go to Phoenix after the the Sacramento game. Nas tries to dunk on Biombo, breaks his wrist, and there goes the the big identity. Um, and and it kind of, it, but it also kind of shows sort of the fragility of the whole thing because yeah. you should you should be able to absorb the loss of your seventh best player mm-hmm. right. in in a, in a more in a less damaging fashion than what it has been. And yeah. so that's it. But yes, there was a point right there where it was starting to come around, and then you were saying. Hey, they could be a tough matchup for anyone in the in the first round of the playoffs. The way that they can kind of throw different looks at them and have the, the and just the overall talent from top to bottom. When you're talking like Jaden McDaniels is your fifth best player and Nas is your seventh and all that, like all of a sudden you're like, hey, these guys have legit right. talent on this team that could put a scare into a lot of teams. And then you lose Nas, you lose Jaden, and. Rudy has this back thing now, and I mean, it's just like it's it's really kind of teetered back totally the other way. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered uh, for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays, they're an independent sunglass company. They've got a world-class product, durable frames, extremely clear optics as well. They are hooking all DNVR listeners up. This is exclusively for our listeners. Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use the code DNVR for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself. The shades rated five stars by 250,000 people. ShadyRays.com. Use the code DNVR. 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. I think so much of this. Tell me if you agree with this. I just think some of it comes down to your star players and the most interesting thing, again, I don't say any of this with confidence because I don't know the Wolves well enough. But when you guys were talking about the structured offense and maybe some frustration from players from having to do all this stuff, a lot of this makes me think, if you haven't been there before, meaning to the playoffs and not even just, the, well, they got swept in the Jimmy Butler era and, you know, whatever. But when you haven't actually gone deep into the playoffs, you don't realize these things as much of, it's not important to give your players the easy thing. Like, oh, well, he's mm. good at this, so we're going to do that. Because mm. in the playoffs, teams take that away. It's how much can you solve everything and how much can you do all these different things. So I understand in some ways the way you guys are talking about this in, in terms of towns and maybe give him a little bit more structure here and there. But there's another part of it where I'm, if you are, Towns is so talented. He's yeah. so ridiculously skilled and talented. And I think, but you have to do the hard thing. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you don't get to do the easy thing all the time. I mean, and this is one of the things I think about Jokic and part of what I think is so special is he really is fine doing the... I'm not going to shoot tonight, or I'm going to sure. only shoot, or I'm going to play out here. I'm going to play over here. He just is so open. I mean, even the other day, he goes into the game, and what does he say in the post game? It wasn't my call. What other superstar doesn't have some input on when, when, and how he plays? Yeah. But I just don't think he does because he doesn't. He's like, I do my job, you do yours. This is how we do it. Yeah, and also like this was so obvious in game one, but like the Nuggets are a team that has been relatively healthy yeah. most of this season. Oh, it's a huge part. Their of this. starting five has played more than pretty much every starting five in the NBA. They just have a system. They have chemistry, culture. They just know how to play together with their eyes closed. And Minnesota, 
expectedly, like, of course, is a team that looks like they're missing two key rotation players and is just getting Carl Towns back into the lineup. And, like, there's so much uncertainty. How much of that do you think is coaching versus Jokic? Like, Adam did the the Jokic part. Like, if you had to assign percentages to that. Um, I'd say it's the majority of Jokic. But I think the same about Greg Popovich. Tim Duncan yeah, was yeah, yeah. a guy that was yeah. famously allowed him to coach. I mean, that's what he credited him for at the Jersey yeah. retirement. Michael Malone is like very militant in his approach and like we're gonna do this and this and this and routine oriented and we're gonna prepare like like Which for every seems game. Like it fits what Adam is saying, like you do your job, I do my right. job type right. of situation. Right. I think to the Finch point, and maybe more specifically with him, I mean, and those two are like cool, but they are both very chill people. And and it's like, so they're kind of chosen to both be on the opposite side (laughs) of the spectrum together. And I like this. I like this take that to succeed in a free flowing offense, you need a dictator coach. (laughs) (laughs) I like this because if you're too relaxed and your system is too relaxed, it's like double negatives. (laughs) It might be honestly, there might be something to it. But the Nuggets, like the chemistry that they have, that's been something that's been built all season. Mm -hmm. Like they've been building that from game one, and Mm -hmm. like you're seeing the results. Sacramento too, like they're they're one of the healthiest teams all season. That's last year. The Wolves were very very healthy and they won 47 games 46 games and got and put the scare into memphis and this year they are flailing a little bit and you know fans don't want to hear it like and under i i get that like oh well people get hurt all the time but like this these are factors right that that do muddy the waters i if if they if everyone had stayed healthy the whole year long would would it, it's very possible that this whole experiment still would not have worked, and that um, that's the scary part of yes. this is is this idea that they're going to run it back and and they're going to do it because they have ample excuse. I mean, back to training camp, Gobert just came back from World Cup and Towns was out with some terrible strep throat or whatever, and like there was never any time to get real momentum yeah. going, and then you have the injuries. But that does not rule out the fact that this might inherently be broken. Right. And so now you you potentially, if you're the Wolves, are just kicking the can down the road. Though I think if it was me and John running it too, but that's probably what we would do just because you are so, I mean, the term I always use is like pot committed to this. Right. But it's scary. It's, it's, it's pot committed to a pot that the odds aren't right. in your favor. Yeah, and right. and that, that's... It's tough. It's tough when you have no picks. <laughs> I'm just such a big believer in your star players have to, they have to like mature in a way that is almost unreasonable for the guys that are 22, 23 mm. when they're becoming yeah. being handed all this. They have to like see that. I, I mean, you think about Jokic could say like, I like working out of the post. We should go more post ups. It's easier for me. But the fact that their offense is so like, you don't know if it's post, if it's elbow, if it's right. pick and roll, handoff. That's what makes them so good. So that's just why I'm always a little skeptical. If Jamal Murray said he just wanted more pick and rolls, we got to change the offense to fit his best skill set. Or Michael Porter wants more ISOs because that's what he's most comfortable with. Denver not ever doing that is part of what I think has made them into this offensive juggernaut that they really do have all boxes checked. Um, Well, we'll see. Tonight, I mean, the funny thing about this is every single game one, you feel like you know exactly how it is. I don't think you know until at least game two and really game three what the texture of of a series is going to be. And right now, it just feels like an overwhelming Denver Nuggets series. Well, they won by 29 points. 29 points, and it, it didn't even feel that close. But I do think <laughs> game two is going to take on a completely different 
personality might have a of similar course. outcome, might have a different one. Um, and so you have to always couch all of your takes with, eh, we'll see what happens. Going and with forward. this Wolves team too, yep. man, it, you don't know what you are going to get at all. You, you just don't. Yeah. Um, well, I'm looking forward to it. He is Dane Moore, Dane Moore basketball podcast, anything to promote? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just kind of doing daily pods like you guys are too. If people want to listen, I get, it actually makes sense that a Nuggets yeah. person would want to listen to a Wolves podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just have like guys like john and the other reporters on pretty much every day and uh yeah we're just we're just talking about it like you guys do if you guys are like me you know i commute to work i hop in my car and i'm like let me see my nba podcast none of them on the nuggets <laughs> which it, admittedly wasn't exactly an interesting game no but there was like you kind of go through you're all excited yeah. you're like, man nobody's talking well about the mvp race is over so now I the know, nuggets can else. go back on the back That's burner so of true. every podcast <laughs> uh, he's john kaczynski of the athletic john what are you working on uh yeah just a uh, bunch of playoff coverage at the athletic with myself uh, tony jones is covering the nuggets yep. during yeah. uh, the playoffs which is really cool for yeah. we've wanted to get nuggets coverage for a long long time so if you are thinking about subscribing or if you already are a subscriber to the athletic and don't know tony jones is is writing a ton nick Cosmider as well on the nuggets and and then you can catch me uh on the wolf side if you're looking for that perspective and tony well. has the utah experience too yep. which is which i think is cool bear experience yep. Yep. Conley, yeah. yeah all those guys we yeah. like our minnesota contingent jay yeah. Frederick as well yep. you got great, great uh um you know you got a lot of good people over there mm -hmm. so i like it all right everybody thanks for tuning in today hit that like button on the way out and then tomorrow come to the dmvr bar the best place to go is the arena but if you're not going there come to the dmvr bar we're gonna have a good time we'll see you guys then